Good day to all of my new listeners. I'm Shirley Ebbing. I'm an international model and goodwill ambassador for UNESCO. Uh, I'm doing this podcast series to raise awareness on albinism. In those podcast series, I talk with young persons with albinism to find out more about their daily lives and the differences between countries. This conversation is with Jia Li from the USA. Hi, Jia Li. Nice to meet you. Could you briefly introduce yourself? Hi, um, like she said, my name is Gialee Pumastelic. Um, I live in Pennsylvania and I'm currently uh, a sophomore at Drexel University, majoring in nursing, minoring in epidemiology. I love healthcare. Um, I love my hobbies. I love to dance and read. Um, and I also just became an emergency medical technician. So I love volunteering and doing that as well. Wow, congratulations. Um, why did you start helping people? So I always loved um, healthcare. Ever since I was like a little kid, I used to always watch documentaries on the TV of like pediatric healthcare and surgeries and my mom was always grossed out. I just always had an affinity towards it. And I also have been helped a lot throughout my life. I've had um, several eye surgeries and I've had like really good experiences with healthcare providers. So I wanted to give back in that sense as well. How old were you when you started to realize that you want to work in the healthcare system? I was really young, like I previously mentioned, I always just had an affinity towards it. I just love like taking care of like babies or taking care of other people who are sick. Um, blood and guts never like scared me or uh, threw me, uh, put me away from the field. Um, so ever since I can remember, basically like four or five, I used, to, I started like really playing doctor and nurse with my friends. I see that you have albinism. How does albinism affect your work or your daily life? So it affects it a lot. Um, like I feel like everyone with albinism, uh, it impacts it a lot. It's definitely a big part of who I am, my, uh, my identity. In the healthcare field, it's particularly very difficult. Um, it's, there's a lot at stake. You have, you're in charge of, you're going to be in charge of other people's lives. And there's a lot of um, litigation in healthcare. So there's a lot of room for errors and there's a lot of um, room for ableism to blame mistakes on visual acuities. So I take this um, all in caution when going into the field. Um, I'm aware of the risks, but I'm really passionate about it so I'm willing to um, kind of like brave the storm so to speak um, but it it's been very challenging through like just getting my emergency medical certificate and through I've only been in nursing school for one year so far but it's been a lot of adaptations it's been a lot of educating people and finding the right as assistive technology I'm still in the learning process and there's still a lot of things that I still have to figure out vision wise and there may be 
some things that are just not safe for me to do and hope and I'm just um, hoping that I it, I educate people and that I will be able to find employment and uh, do my dream job. And what is your dream job? Uh, my dream job is just taking care of people in healthcare. I don't really know what direction I'm going to go yet. I'm thinking about going to uh, to get my MD after my nursing graduation. Are your peers uh, helping you with, uh, for example, if you do not understand it sometimes in the class, are your peers helping you to understand it more? Um, um, for example, uh, sometimes read it, uh, read a text for you, or is it all you? Um, so my parents help me emotionally and financially, and they're my a big support system. But um, I do not do schoolwork with them. I I do my classwork all independently. Wow! Wow, that's amazing. So your dream job is helping people. You are also a dancer. I saw. Do you think with dancing and combining it with your work as a nurse, do you think that those two can help people uh, if you if you combine those two hobbies? Um, I definitely think it could make an impact on people. You have to deal with like it, consider um considering the specialty you go into. It's a lot of like emotional. It takes an emotional toll. You see people at their worst all the time, so I definitely think it could be beneficial to combine the two. I haven't danced for a long time. Um, ever since I entered college, it's been so rigorous academically that I haven't had the time. But dance is a really big part of my life, and it ha has helped me get through a lot of my hard times. So I'm definitely going to try to continue my hobby um, now, hopefully in the upcoming school year, where I'll have more time to do so. You are talking about hard times. Um, can you please explain a little more about your hard times? Yeah, so growing up, um, I live in a very rural area, and there's wasn't really a lot of understanding about albinism. The school system I grew up in was kind of closed-minded about visual impairment is not very common around here. Oh, well, not very common in general, I should say. Um, I faced a lot of discrimination and bullying throughout uh throughout middle school mostly and it it was very um hard at times and just just it just like also helped dance helped me cope with just different stressors in life a teacher like wasn't being accommodating or if somebody made a uh, an ignorant comment about my albinism or somebody shouted to me at in like the Walmart parking lot something obscene it helped like kind of just it just helped me forget about the school day um for uh, that brief period of time that I I was dancing I'm sorry to hear that you were bullied and discriminated against do you think this happened, uh, happened to more of your uh, peers or were you the only one who was discriminated against? 
so I went so for middle school I went to a charter school that um only had it was unique it only had 100 students from 6th to 12th grade um so bullies will be ev like everyone around them but I I don't remember events or times where I remember like seeing bullying happen to others um I'm not saying that it didn't happen to other people um I I think I was probably like more um just being aware of like myself and what was happening to me at the time um that I couldn't pay attention to uh per se like the bullying that could have been going on to others how did you react to your own bullies Well, for a long time, I I didn't have great coping strategies. I was um real. I came home really upset, crying. I got I got pretty sad at times. Um, but now I feel like I I've gotten a lot more confident ever since going away to college. And the uh the biggest lesson that I learned is really you can't be everyone's friend you can't please everybody and that was really important because i i was i was always the type of person that was very hard on myself i wanted to make everyone smile i wanted to be everyone's friend and um just the reality of life is you you can't do that so i wish i could go back and tell my younger self that yeah i think Uh, I also experienced that same uh, feeling that you want to please everyone uh, and yeah the world is about smiles but now when you get older you start to realize what life is really yeah that life is really that dangerous big world you have to survive in there are also good things in life but also you have to survive in life it's Uh, also, I myself discovered yeah. that I was very different um, in a very young age. Uh, when did you discover that you were different? Oh, this is um, very interesting as well, because um, I, in middle school, um, discover it a little bit more, um, but I, I like feel like I was in deny I a little bit of denial I guess is the right word denial about my my condition I like I I did know I was different I I did discover I was different from a pretty young age I didn't really acknowledge it at all until I was a junior in high school um and I felt like that was very purposeful like subconsciously purposeful because I didn't I didn't want to think I was different. I was raised that, oh, um, by my parents. My parents never shielded me from anything, but I just didn't want to hear it. They were like, oh, you could do everything anyone else can do. But, you you know, my mom did explain, like, you have this condition, you are visually impaired, but it never, it it didn't click for me. It just didn't click until, like, junior year that, like, oh, I, like, this is, a big deal kind of type of thing. Do you mind to be different now? I 
really like having albinism and having kind of like a different perspective. It gives me a really different perspective on life. And it's given me a lot of passion for helping others and advocating for disability rights and uh, human rights in general. So no, I do not mind it. I actually um, wouldn't have it any other way, even though it does present many challenges. It's not the glorious path that um, a lot of uh, able-bodied people imagine having a disability to be. There's hard days um, where I'm like, oh, I wish I could just be like, quote unquote, normal. But overall, I realized very quickly that uh, I like uh, my unique standpoint in life and the compassion and the person that it's made me in general. So um, do you uh, experience difficulties in uh, daily life? Every I feel like disability rights are often overshadowed and not really talked about by the public. And I think it's so important to put disability rights at more of the forefront of the human of human rights movements, because there are a lot of people who um, struggle, like the, the most difficult thing about being a disabled person, I would say, in the um, United States, at least, is just the lack of understanding of what disability is, um, the differences, the disability culture. Wow. Um, how do you uh, say to people that, like, you do not have to cuddle me uh, or take care of me every step of the way? Um, so I've gotten a lot better at um, advocating for myself in the recent years like I previously mentioned, uh, just, I always try to be, I feel like everyone with albinism that I've talked to and everyone with a disability in general has a different approach to telling people their needs. I, I try to be as friendly as possible and educate um, others. Plus, blind people can do a lot of stuff. I mean, I've met uh, also uh, blind athletes, there's a uh, blind doctor, blind judge. So people who are blind can do things. And please, when you see someone uh, with a white cane, no matter what, he's blind or he, she, they are blind or are not blind, don't grab um, them because it's very scary that someone is approaching behind your back and it's like grabbing you. That's that's very scary. I experienced that uh, quite uh, a lot. Also, another question about um, back to your origin, because you uh, are from Chinese descent, like me. You have been adopted. Um, but do you feel yourself Chinese or American? I feel both. I'm very in touch with my Chinese culture. I'm very um, thankful to my parents because they've always encouraged me to keep my Chinese roots. Um, so I always identified as Chinese American. So you said you were in touch with your Chinese culture. Um, do you learn Chinese? Um, I know a little bit of Chinese and the Chinese that I do know, I feel like I have an atrocious um, um, accent, but 
I do know a little bit of Chinese. I want to learn more. I've never been a language person. It's just really difficult for me to find time to. And it's hard to speak and practice when you have no one else to kind of speak to. Do you also love Chinese food? I am obsessed. I My friends, um, me and my friends joke around with me all the time. Like, I've never seen somebody, like, love Asian food so much. And I'm like, or love Chinese food so much. And I'm like, for me, it's not Chinese food or Asian food. It's just, like, food. <laughs> I love that Philadelphia has a Chinatown. So I am constantly in Chinatown. Like, whenever I have, like, extra time from, like, my classes, I'm always going down to Chinatown and eating and getting bubble tea and going to the market to get um, some dumplings or my favorite Chinese, um, other Chinese, like, authentic Chinese foods and stuff. Um, yeah, so I, I love Philadelphia Chinatown. I uh, love that you love food because I like to eat baozi. It's like a Chinese bread uh, and it's so delicious. And my mom says like, surely if you're going to eat more baozi, you're going to change in one. <laughs> Do you also, uh, uh, did your mother also say the same thing? If you're going to eat more Chinese food, you eventually change in the Chinese food? Yes, um, I think I've heard I think I've heard that so many times. Oh my gosh. Yeah, everyone, everyone who knows me knows that I my favorite thing to do is eat. I love going out um to different ramen or Chinese restaurants and also they also everyone tease me because they're like, How are you like so tiny? You're always eating and I and I don't know. I I just Eating is like my my favorite one of my favorite de-stressors, especially good, um, authentic Chinese food. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So maybe when I visit you, we can eat Chinese food. <laughs> yes, you have to give me some some new suggestions, and I'll I'll show you the um the stuff that I eat as well. I really like lo mai kai. I don't know what that is. Oh, it's like rice in a leaf and it's very hot, but it's very delicious. Oh, I think and I know what you're talking about. Yes, I love that too. My uh, my children will look more Chinese um, than uh, than I will be if I if I will, uh, were to marry, for example, a Dutch man. My my uh, children would look more Chinese. Uh, if you plan to have children, would it be strange that they look more Chinese than you? I always felt weird because in Chinatown or like with my uh, ch uh, Chinese friends, they used to introduce me to their other friends and be like, oh, like she's Chinese. She was adopted from China. They wouldn't believe her especially like if I had my sunglasses on and they can see like the features around my eyes that has been difficult um I, I felt like I never could fit entirely in the Chinese culture because I know like um albinism is sometimes even looked upon like as a curse in China it's just not it like any differences are not very well very well taken in the Chinese culture so it's been difficult but 
if I ever do have kids and they look like quote unquote like normal Chinese with um black hair and uh a darker skin tone, I I feel like I wouldn't I I would just love them for however they look or who they who they are. I would um I I probably would think that they're the most gorgeous thing in the world. I I'm sure every parent does, but I I wouldn't care like how like Chinese they looked or like it it definitely also would have to do a lot with a partner I decide to have kids with which I'm not there yet but yeah that's that that has been difficult but could you imagine that a parent wants to abandon their child in China used to be because of the one child policy um And there's also different cultural norms, like, for example, boys are financially responsible for their parents, whereas girls don't have that responsibility. So a lot of families will give up girls for adoption um, before they give up their their boys for adoption. And I disability in general in the Chinese culture is just not very widely accepted, which is really sad. And I hope um, I hope things get better. Yeah, I think so as well. People in some countries, for example, uh, so some African countries, for example, in Tanzania and Malawi, get discriminated against, um, even hunted down. Uh, for for the bones, um, because they, uh, the witch doctors believe that the persons with albinism contain magic in their bones, which is of course not true. Um, it's a vicious lie. What do you think uh, about this, and what can we uh, do to prevent such attacks happening again? Um, I think it's atrocious what's going on. Um... I'm there. I I want to do everything I can to support and raise awareness for uh what what is happening. Uh, I'd like to shout out um my mom purchases soaps from Tanzania. This woman who's created a safe haven for children with albinism so they do not get hunted down. Uh the soaps are uh the soap brand is Mama Monsungu. Uh they make the the women with albinism make different soap. So we buy soaps from them every single month um, to support what she is doing for the women and children with albinism over there in Tanzania. That is, that is one way that people can support is to help the to help the efforts that are already going on there and hopefully bring an end to all the misinformation and stigma around the condition. What do you want to say to young children who are listening or young teens who are listening to this podcast? I would like to say never be afraid to be yourself. I feel like that's more easier said than done. Um, what I'm trying to say essentially is don't have to be embarrassed of the the differences you have, whether It, it doesn't have to be your albinism or your visual impairment. It could be anything uh, you may like giraffes and the other kids like zebras. Don't be, don't shy away from that. And don't be ashamed of who you are because it will end up being an advantage point in the future. Um, it just, 
takes it, it a lot of time just takes time to find your niche find the people that and the resources so you can grow and um, people that accept you for who you are because people who don't aren't aren't meant to be in your life wow thank you for your beautiful message and Jali, thank you for your time. Uh, thank you to all our listeners for their time. If you have any questions, please uh, write a comment in the comment section down below. Be kind and please respect us. Thank you.